Welcome to Courtside Moms. I am your host, Wendy Sparks. Today, I am so thankful to spend time with this wonderful lady who wears many hats, Miss Terry Carmichael Jackson, Executive Director of the WNBPA, wife of Jaron Jackson Sr., Assistant Coach of the Westchester Knicks, and the mother of Jaron Jackson Jr. of the Memphis Grizzlies. Terry, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Wendy. Well, you nailed it. You, you got it all. You got it all in. <laughs> Lots of hats and basketball 24-7 in our family. Absolutely. And that is exactly yeah. what we're going to talk about. So your family story is so inspiring to me. I am such a big fan. You are all living the basketball dream in different elements as currently your family consists of a player a coach, and an executive. What I love the most is that you have a wide view of the industry more than a lot because you personally get to live the lives and both sides, the WNBA and the NBA. But today- And the G League. That's true. That's true. How dare I forget? So, <laughs> so today we'll focus more on Jaron Jr. and learn about your experience of raising a pro athlete. So let's begin with, at what age did Jaron Jr. grow a desire to play basketball? Oh my goodness, at what age? Um, I don't know that anybody can really pinpoint yes. that, right? I, I, can, I can remember my husband was, towards the end of his career with the Spurs and then the magic. So Jay Jr. is probably, I don't know, two years old. And we had an amazing playroom, but in the house, but we also had this room that we called the jump room. Essentially it was a, a guest room that we never furnished, but we had all these like play gym mats in there and we had goals in there. And so I can remember Jay Jr. At, like for the toddler size goal, just running around that room and probably, you know, committing all kinds of, you know, <laughs> egregious things in basketball. It didn't matter because he was running around the room, like bumping up against the walls because everything was, everything was padded and just slamming the ball into the goal and just falling out on the floor, laughing hysterically. <laughs> like he thought he was playing basketball. He thought that's what he was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And then if his, if his father would throw up the ball or like, you know, attempt to shoot at the goal, Jared Jr. would run and he would knock it out <laughs> the way. So that's where the blocks came from, you know, at age two. Um, so this whole notion that he's the block Panther now, like it, that's legitimate. Like that was, that's from at least 20 years ago. Um, so I, re I remember him doing that and just having fun and just having yeah. fun with my husband doing it. No structure, no rules. Just take the ball, bounce it, dribble it if you want, run halfway across the room, slam it in the goal, slap the other person's ball out of the goal. Um, that's him just having fun with it. And, and you know what? That's what my husband has always said to him. Right. Have fun. Yeah. Those two words, have yeah. fun. No matter what the coach said, all the instructions, you know, all the game prep, 
you're nervous, whatever it is, from whatever age, all the way up till now, the last thing he'll say, my husband is sending him game notes, things to think about. The last thing he always says is have fun. So that's the earliest memory of him enjoying exploring the game. Yeah. I can also remember times when um, Jaron took him out to see if he'd be interested in joining an AAU team. And uh, Jay Jr. stood at one end of the gym under a goal and just did cartwheels and, <laughs> and flips. And the other boys were down at the other end, you know, actually practicing and running through drills. And my husband said, hey, you, you want to go down there? You know, and he's like, no, I'm good. And, and so we weren't sure, you know, did he like basketball? Was he yeah. interested? Um, I had him on a swim team. I put him in, in a ski club. Like he was playing soccer at a very young age. Yeah. Did a lot of other things. So he got to explore before yeah. he found his fit. And swimming was probably a close second because he was so tall and so long, particularly mm. for his age group. So he was winning the heats like instantly because he could just basically get in the pool, do a couple strokes. And he, you know, he was at the other end. He's there. He was at the other end. So those are my earliest memories of sports and then particularly basketball. I love it. I mean, think of it. He had his own basketball court at home, right? He had his jump room. So he's like, I'm good. Let me do something else because I play basketball every day. So exactly. Exactly. I yep. love that. But when did he now start playing competitive basketball when it actually was like, okay, now we're really playing to win as opposed to, you know, when you play like community ball, everybody gets a chance to play and then you go home and everybody's happy whether you win or lose, but competitive where it's like these games mean something. Someone's going to come look at you now. These games matter more than most because AAU is such a level where our teenage kids really, really start living their dream if there really is one. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, um, fortunately, Wendy, because my husband had been in ball and, and, and knew what that competition was like and what that pressure felt like, and that's why I tell the story about have fun. I mean, we kept it light for as long as we could. I mean, yes. that team that, you know, he was doing the cartwheels underneath the goal and just kind of watching out the corner of his eye, that, that ultimately became his first AAU team. Um, Coach Kelvin Johnson, give him a shout out because, you know, he was one of the, after my husband, of course, he's one of Jaron Jr.'s first coaches. Um, right. Jaron Sr. was the first. And then Coach Calvin soon thereafter. <laughs> um, and so that's when it got competitive. You know, like we're, we're on these travel teams. Like we're traveling all over Maryland or the D.C. Maryland area because we were living out in Silver Spring at the time. Um, and, you know, we're going, to, we're going to Ohio. You know, we're going to, we're going to tournaments in Akron, Ohio. We're going to tournaments up in New York, playing up in, in Harlem against the Wrens, you know, going down to Vegas, going down to Disney World. And I'm like, how old are these kids? What are we doing exactly? Yeah. Um, our wedding anniversaries in July, I swear, every anniversary for like a good 18, 19 years, right, was spent in a gym. 
Yep. <laughs> um, but that's, you know, that's, that's when it's getting competitive. We're, we're still trying to keep it light. We're still yeah. trying to like have fun with everybody and, you know, playing games and we're cheering for everybody. And we're still trying to keep it, you know, upbeat and positive because, you know, that AAU situation with some of the parents on our team and on other teams, like that could get really kind of thick and intense. Yep. Um, so we kept it as light for as long as we could. And then he goes off to high school and we moved to Indiana and mm-hmm. he's playing for a private school that's that quite competitive, Park Tudor. Um, and then I go and take this job in New York and he's like, mom, you know, if you're leaving, maybe I'm, maybe I'm changing schools. I, you know, I like this school, Lalamere. He thought he had found Lalamere. Lalamere found him, but he <laughs> thought he had found Lalamere. Um, and he goes and he plays and they play for national championships, you yeah. know, sponsored by these major corporations, Geico at that time. And this is blowing my mind. I'm like, they're in high school. They're yeah. getting off the buses, you know, going to these tournaments and, and or these championships to go into these games. And there are people outside ready for their autographs. And I keep saying they're in high school. This is, you know, and yeah. then I was working for the NCAA at the time. And I said, get away. You know, you're going to get them in trouble. No, they can't sign anything and you can't sell it. No, get away. <laughs> yeah, you understood. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, he did go to high school at the both the both schools were in Indiana, correct? Yes. 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 Um Park, Park Tudor's Tudor in and... Indianapolis and then and then Lalamere is up, you know, at the top of the state, northern part of the state. Laporte. So, right. Okay. So speak about those games though, because he did go to Park Tudor first and then he transferred. But for him as an athlete, like what were those games like for you? Because I mean, oh like you're God. saying it's exciting and like at the same time, you still want to keep it fun, but the excitement's still always going to be there. So what were they like for you? Because now you're watching your your baby play, you know what I mean, on the amateur My level. My baby, Wendy. <laughs> exactly. My baby. <laughs> uh, so I remember a game and I think about this game Um Every so often now, Jay Jr. in the pros, right? I think mm-hmm. about this one particular game. He is either an eighth grade or a freshman. I should look this part up because I should know this. Um, he's probably a freshman. He's, he's a freshman. He's a freshman. Okay. Okay. And he has the opportunity to play up, which means he can play, I think, a quarter or two, no more than two quarters in the varsity game, as long as he's only played two quarters in the JV game, something like right. that. And, um, and so <laughs> it, it's this big game. Um, I think that we're, we're Park Tudor. I think we're playing a school called Indiana Tech. I think, I'm not sure. And um, it's a snowstorm. I mean, like, it's just everything, like, everybody has poured it doesn't matter it's snowing everybody has poured out in indiana for this game because that's what they do they go to church and they go to basketball games right and if they (laughs) and if there's any conflict basketball wins out um and so everybody's showing up and and i haven't bought a ticket apparently you have to buy a ticket for this game and now i'm thinking there's this long line and i'm like oh my god it's sold out am i gonna get in so somehow i managed to get in um and and so jay jr gets to play in the varsity game and um, it's towards the end of the game and somebody's in foul trouble who, would, who was playing ahead of him, you know, a, a yeah. more senior child, more senior player. And um, all of a sudden, you know, that, that guy gets in foul trouble or he fouls out and, and the coach looks down the bench and he's motioning for Jaron Jr. to come on. And I'm like, 
oh my God, did I see that? And he's like, but Jaron Jr. didn't see it. So the coach is like now like yelling at him, like, come on up, you know, to the, to the beginning of the bench, head of the bench. And he sits him down and he talks him through. And I can see my child's legs just <laughs> shaking. And I'm like so nervous. I'm thinking he's about to get in this game. And we're playing against um, Trey Lyles. This is a, a team that had Trey Lyles on the team who was right. the Mr. Indiana basketball candidate at the time. We had, we had Trayvon Blewett, who was our Mr. Basketball candidate for, for Indiana. They had Trey Lyles. And, um, and I'm thinking, oh my God, my, my kid's about to get in and play against Trey Lyles. Like, you know, <laughs> um, he does very well. I think he had a couple block shots then too. Okay. Um, and so then fast forward. And when I see them playing professional basketball, I think to myself, I wish I could whisper in the ears of the commentators and say, you know, what two guys played against each other in high school who are out there on the court, like give them a little fun factors or yeah. trivia. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's, it's just so cool to see, you know, that kind of progression. Um, but that was, that was one of those moments. It's a big time moment. It's a big stage. It's Indiana where basketball rules. Yes. Um, and he gets that kind of opportunity in, in, again, in a big game on a big stage. So um, I'm always, I, I, you know, I saw, I, I'm certain that I saw his, his little leg shaking. <laughs> um, but Jay Jr. would tell you that he doesn't really get nervous that, you know, yeah. he can't wait to get out there. Um, I think there's a little bit of nervous right before, right before the tip, of course. but then, you know, it just kind of all goes away and he can't wait to just be out there. And I'm just a mess the whole time. <laughs> of course, of course. Cause for us, we're like, oh my God he's going to go on the court. Oh my God. And he's going to be yeah. fantastic. And we just yeah. can't wait. And we're running around the gym and they're looking at us like, ma, can you sit? Can you just, and I'm it? certain, I'm certain you, you, Wendy, you talk to all these moms. I'm certain mm -hmm. we all have that same reaction, right? Like Absolutely. We still can't believe our babies mm -hmm. are doing this, that they're yes. out there and they're so comfortable yes. doing it. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. What a it is what a, a blessing. blessing. And I love it, like you're saying, as a mom, and we watch our sons. And it's funny you said just now um, the fun fact where you were saying you wish you can just, you know what I mean, whisper in their ear. And it's and it's fun for me, too, because as I do my research on the players and I learn so much about players and then I speak to the moms and here I discovered um, that Brian Bowen played right. with, uh, with Jaron Jr. So I'm like, huh. And it just reminded me of the interview that I was talking to his mom about the school, about La Lumiere, you know what I mean? Right. So I was like, oh, okay, I remember now. I remember all these games. So I just think it's amazing that we, you know what I mean? Like you're saying, we, as moms, we, we look at these kids. You have the opportunity to see a lot of these kids grow. Yeah, yeah. You know, I say all the time, just generally, the more you talk to somebody, the more you recognize the connections that you have with that person, right? The more you recognize yeah. what you have in common with them. It's even more so in, in our ecosystem of basketball, you know, with women's basketball, with men's basketball, the more you talk to folks, like we've, our circles have passed. We played yes. each other at those AAU tournaments coming up. They played each other in high school, likely. They played each other in, in college. Um, we, we saw each other at the McDonald's All-American. Like we've had so many of these moments in common and we've known each other or seen each other so many times before we actually get, we all get to this level. And yeah. um, 
it's really exciting. And it's really special for me to watch these games. And um, I don't care who wins or, or loses. Obviously, I want the Grizzlies to win, yeah. right? But, yeah. but um, it's just really awesome when I can text a mom and say, I see your baby out there, yes. you know, he's doing his thing and I'm, and I'm cheering for him. I'm not cheering for this team, but I'm cheering for him. Um, but that's nice. That's just really nice. It's a great connection. It's a it's, special it, relationship that we all have. Absolutely. And it's funny you say that because I like to text the moms when, when I see their babies on the court, if I'm at a Raptors game live, I'm taking pictures. I'm this is your baby. Oh my God. I'm seeing him in person. So today I was looking through the schedule and I'm like, we don't play the Chrissy's anymore. (laughs) I was like, how am I going to text Terry to tell her that I see her child? So we don't play you again for the rest of the season. I was so disappointed. That's how I just text her about other things. But it was just funny because I like, you know what I mean? Just for moms, we have that sisterhood and we can talk to each other about the, about our kids. You know what I mean? So I love, love, love to watch games. Now I have another reason yet to watch Grizzlies before, you know what I mean? Before I would watch, I watch basketball regardless, but. I would predominantly watch the team, like my son's team, you know, before he was with Orlando Magic. Now he's with Toronto Raptors. So those would be the games I watch. But now that I'm getting to learn and meet so many other moms, now if I'm just scrolling through the TV and I see like a a Grizzlies game, come on, I'm going to watch it because now I actually have that connection. You know what I mean? So it's important. Same back, same back at you, same back at you. And you know, if ever anything happens in a game, you know, maybe a player gets hit, goes down for a little bit. And I know the mom, I have the mom on in, you know, mom's contact information. I'll just say, okay, I don't know if you're seeing this in real time, but he's okay. (laughs) Yeah. He got up, (laughs) you know, we all appreciate those. those (laughs) We do. We do. So now let's talk about recruitment. So (laughs) recruitment. Yeah. (laughs) You are very well versed in this. I guess come from NCAA all the way to WNBPA. Right. So I love asking you these questions. So recruitment is always exciting for our kids. However, in my opinion, their emotions and excitement can sometimes outweigh the perceived quality of the academics as well as the basketball program. So as a consensus five-star recruit, what was important for your family when schools approached and what was your expectations during your visits? You know what? Um... It, we, I think we had probably a unique, I know we had a really unique um, and, and special recruiting experience bec- because of how our family was positioned. You know, my husband having already gone through this yes. and knows everybody. I call him the Kevin Bacon of basketball, right? Like he, <laughs> he, he is six degrees, probably four or five degrees separated from, from anybody in, in the sport at any level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was working at the NCAA and everybody knew it. And so Jaron Jr. used to say, mom, you walk into a gym and everybody scatters, you know, like <laughs> nothing, <laughs> anybody who's trying anything shady or, you know, even thinking about it, will will go in the opposite direction. So we knew we were going to have a good experience in that sense, because I was going to stay on the right side of the rules. And if I had to teach anybody what the rules were and the regs were, I I would not going to hesitate to do that. That's not my style. Everybody knows it. Um, So the, you know, the experience was really good. And and so when schools were reaching out, um, I, I think for the most part, we, 
we believe that they were truly reaching out because they had an interest. They saw, you know, a future and opportunity um, for Jay Jr. But they also, they were reaching out, the schools that were reaching out knew that my, my husband and I had gone to Georgetown and we had, we had graduated together. You know, we were freshmen mm-hmm. together. We graduated together in four years, you know, and academics was um, very big in our lives. My husband's also a former valedictorian, a high school valedictorian. So education was big for us. And so, you know, any school that was reaching out knew that they had to have that conversation at the same time, you know, talk about what the academic offerings were, what the expectations were, um, and meet us there. Because if they weren't going to have that conversation, I think they knew not to call, or they knew that that call was probably going to be a one-off kind of thing for them. So we had, we had a really, we had it really good. We had it really good. Um, and we were really organized too about it. I don't, I don't often tell this story. I think we, I think my husband and I have started to tell the story, but we had whiteboards that he put up um, and we couldn't put them up in just any place in the house. So we had to put them up in our bedroom. So if you can imagine <laughs> this one wall in the master bedroom with these two giant whiteboards that mimicked a spreadsheet because we had started off like the spreadsheet, but then information was changing so quickly. We needed something that we could erase yep. and kind of move things around. So we populated our whiteboards with the schools, everything we knew about the coach, everything we knew about the program, what my husband would, you know, he would do this analysis. He was, he was watching game tape on every school. Not these coaches don't know this. Now they know. <laughs> I don't know. And he was watching film on, on every school to understand what the system was, what the philosophy was, where the potential openings could be in a couple of years, because this was still kind of early, you know, in terms of recruiting out of high school. Um, And so he was just constantly updating that, constantly keeping notes. And, you know, he'd call Jay Jr. in and say, okay, look at the board, you know, what do you think? And okay, you know, like no decisions made, just take a look at it every now and then, add something if you want. Um, And he just kept it very updated, very, very organized. So, that was our experience. There's a couple other things that we did too. One day, I think we just need to sit down and write a book <laughs> on, yes. on how we manage recruiting and how we manage um, the coaches in a way that, you know, kept everything respectable. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think folks felt that the communication was going in both ways, but it wasn't, we weren't overwhelmed by it. Yeah. We weren't overwhelmed by it. And we weren't going to let Jay Jr. get overwhelmed by it. You know, coaches probably figured out at some point that, he had two cell phones because I could not give out, you know, yeah. the Jay Jr.'s cell phone number because these coaches were going were gonna to be crazy with it. I already knew. So he had two cell phones. So that, that's another way how we managed it. Um, but we were just honest and upfront with, with programs the whole way through. Um, and we just said, look, we're, we're exploring, no decisions. Just keep talking. We'll keep talking. One day we'll come visit or not, you know, and, and that's the way we handled it. So it was a good experience. Thank you but for we, sharing. But all we that. had to manage it like, like a job. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. As yeah. you know what, it's it sort of is when you think about it because you're yeah. preparing your child for his future, right? So thank you for sharing all that information because I love to learn and I love to like pay it forward. And there's other parents that are listening who are probably going through the same process. that we went through. And some of them can just have zero idea because they're not as well versed because they're just not 
they just don't know. I had no idea a lot of the things that came with recruitment. Every single school that came to me was new. I sat in Canada, so I had no idea where any of these schools were. You know the states and you know the cities, but you, I never knew any of the schools. I had no interest in these schools until my son right. Right. was in that position. So I was like, okay, and internet wasn't that big then. So what do you do? I'm calling people. I'm trying to figure this out. And I had, you know what I mean? I had this binder that I used to write notes in. And the binder was so thick because yep. I was learning about the school and about the staff. But there's a lot of things that you just mentioned that I never thought to really look at until after the fact, right? Once he's in school, I'm like, oh, I should have asked him this. I should have asked him that. Oh my goodness, too late. He's already there. I mean, it was a positive experience, but there were other questions that I could have asked and right. maybe he could have been in a different position. You know what I mean? Right. So right. thank you for sharing all those things. And no, absolutely. And anybody who's who's listening, um, who's going through this with their with their high schooler, please reach out. I'm I'm always available for the conversation. Reach out to Wendy and she'll she'll connect us. Absolutely. So after choosing Michigan State over Notre Dame, Butler, Purdue, and a few others, share with us your excitement of his college days. Well, like I said, my husband and I went to Georgetown, right? So <laughs> we, we told Jay Jr., look, we, we got to choose our school. You choose your school. Um, and there was not going to be any pressure. Um, uh, he, he articulated what he wanted in a program and, and what he expected out of a coach and thought Tom Izzo would be the person who would provide that kind of experience for him. But he also, during his visits, talked with some of the academic deans um, and so got to know what his you know, program or course of study was going to be like. So here we are having invested all of this work and research, right? And we were you know, probably that first week, you know, dropping off at, at college for freshmen, you know, we're, my husband and I, we're in the, in the bookstore, we're buying all green gear. Cause all we have <laughs> is blue, you know, we got Georgetown blue gear. Um, so we're going in buying all the Sparty, all the green, all the white and, um, that we could buy. <laughs> and just so we could be ready for, for a couple of years. Um, Jay Jr. is, um, it, he's, he's paired up with great teammates um, and, and as a freshman gets to stay in one of the newer dorms and he's got juniors and seniors or rising seniors as, as, um, as his roommates. And I'm thinking, okay, that's great. You know, one of them, one of his roommates, um, Tum Tum Navarin, I think that's Tum Tum's last name. He, um, he used to run the Bible study and I was like, okay, I think he's going to be in good hands. I know there's going to be some partying. Like, I, you know, I'm not naive to this, but I think, you know, there's at least a little opportunity for some balance here in what his, what his off the court or, or you know, out of the classroom experience is going to be like. Um, he had to figure out how to, you know, learn how to get from one side of the campus to the mm -hmm. other side of the campus on time. Um, and also be able to ask for help, right? So if there was opportunity for, for him to learn more or, or get some more studying in, you know, being able to go to some of those academic resources and, and, and you know what, it all paid off. It was, it was a one and done experience. That is not what we thought it was going to be by any means. Um, and particularly, I mean, the, the first year was a great year. He was on 
He was on Dean's list. He had been choosing his roommates for a sophomore year. Um, and we were all thinking that. But by the time January, February was rolling around, my husband and I are looking at each other, watching this young man play and just truly blossom before our eyes. And we start saying, do we have to have another conversation? <laughs> do we have to start thinking differently? Yeah. I think the one point in which we're planners and we hadn't, we had not planned for that. And, and I know people don't believe that because Jay Jr. just had an exceptional year. But we did not plan for that. We weren't thinking oh. about that. We were so looking forward to several years um, uh, for Jay Jr. as as a you know Michigan State Spartan, um, major part of Tom Izzo's program. So it was interesting that suddenly he and I, Georgetown grads, um, were changing gears. Yeah. Um, but you know, you know there was just a lot of support um, from the program, from the school. And uh, Jay Jr. promised to, to stay in school and you know, keep classes going. And so we allowed ourselves to have that conversation and to think differently. And so far, so good. Absolutely. So like you said, after one season, he made the decision to declare. So tell us, how does a player who is considered one of the draft's top prospects prepare for draft night? How does he prepare for draft night? Um, well, um, I don't know how he prepared. We, we, I remember my husband and I had an event that night. I think we were out with the, um, the, uh, the basketball coaches had, had an event. Um, so we, we went to some dinner across the street we came back and Jay Jr. said, Hey guys, I want to talk with you. And, um, he had been talking with his agent and, um, he wanted to share with us, you know, kind of the thinking and, you know, how, how, how he thought that draft night was going to go and, and wanted to know where everybody was going to be. And, you know, was grandmama, my mother was grandmama going to be sitting at the table with us and, um, and I think he knew Coach Izzo was coming in town. What he didn't know was that I had invited some of his high school, some of his middle school um, buddies from Maryland and middle nice. school buddies from Indiana. I had invited them to New York. Um, and so he, they surprised him the next day at the luncheon before the draft and, and all of that. So um, we, we prayed together that night. And then he said, all right, I'm going to bed. So I, I like, I don't, I think he probably stayed up, but I, <laughs> you know, after that conversation about what he and his agent been talking about, uh, where was grandma going to be, who else was sitting at the table um, and our prayer. And what I said to him as he was leaving the room was Jay Jr. Remember whoever calls your name, um, whoever selects you um, remember this, that God does not make mistakes. I said, do you understand what I'm saying? And he said, I got you, mom. Wow. And that was it. And you're absolutely right. So as parents, we are always so proud of our kids and what they accomplish. The percentage of basketball players that make it to NCAA is very small. And then the NBA is even smaller. So now take us to draft night. 
from, or I should say draft day, from the moment you woke up on that day to the time your son was picked fourth overall to the Memphis Grizzlies? You know what? That day was probably a lot like the day we got married because (laughs) it starts so early. Um, There's so much prep that you're doing. Um, you've got maybe a video crew or photographer with you capturing some moments, which is awesome because it will soon be a a blur. Um, and you get to look back on those memories and say, oh yeah, I forgot that happened. Oh, that person was there. I didn't realize it. It's so, it's a lot like a wedding, right? Um, you're overwhelmed with emotion. You are so filled with, um, pride and excitement Mm -hmm. and, um, nervousness, um, and joy. And, um, I probably prayed every hour, just even if I, wherever I was in an elevator, just closed my eyes and, and just said some words of appreciation for the day. Um, I, 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 the young people that I had mentioned, his, his friends from middle school, um, ran around with me and did a few errands in New York. I needed to go pick up this and that. And, you know, we were having a big party afterwards that, that, and nobody knew what I had planned for that. And so like keeping everything a secret and making sure everybody, you know, all my points of contact were connected with each other. Um, and, uh, and then we're, we're getting off the bus and we're walking into Barclays And we're doing the walkthrough of, you know, you're going to be on this stage and you're going to come down these steps. And at that point, I'm looking down at my, you know, very sparkly high sandal saying, why (laughs) did you do this? (laughs) Did you really think this through about these heels? Um, But then sitting at the table, as I had described to him, who would be there and um, just watching how cool and collected he was. And my husband was just like, bursting with pride um, because my husband was a journeyman, hadn't been drafted. So hadn't really been on this stage before, but got to do it with his namesake son. Right. So, um, and then we had like all these folks, you know, in the stands at the arena and uh, it was just an amazing, amazing moment. You get tired and worn out, you know, at some point, And then we're in the car going to the party. And what the guys didn't know was that I had hired um, a band to do the second line. So my husband's from New Orleans. So we needed to to come in doing, you know, the second line dance (laughs) with with this band just blaring, you know, New Orleans jazz. and, um, And it was a great surprise. It was a great surprise. And by then it felt like my batteries had fallen out because I... (laughs) I was just done. I was just done. I had no more energy left. But I can only imagine that excitement. You know what I mean? That adrenaline kicks in and you're just like, you're on the go. And then when it's all over, you're just laying there and you're like, oh my God, I just can't believe the night I just had. I can't believe what actually has happened. And my baby's in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> My baby's in the, no. So he, he, he gets called and it's like the Memphis Grizzlies select. Right. And I, and, and, you know, like this rush and we get up and we're hugging 
And at some point, Junior walks off to collect the hat and, you know, shake Adam Silver's hand as, as commissioner of the NBA. And I look at Senior and I said, he's 18. He can't, he can't go without us. And, and my husband's like, you're right. We're going to Memphis. We're going, don't worry. <laughs> and I was like, phew, because we hadn't talked about that. Like we didn't so, know, right? Yeah. And, um, now we knew it's Memphis. And I'm like, oh my God, we've got to pack up and we've got to move to Memphis. I love that because a lot of parents, like you said, you don't think of that. You never realize like, wait, he's moving. Oh wait, we're all moving. <laughs> we all have to go to Memphis or wherever you're children end up you're like wait he's still a baby he can't do this on his own yeah I mean and Jay Jr's always been young in the grade so so seriously he didn't turn 19 until the season was about to start yeah yeah that is and even 19 you know even 20 so um yeah but for everybody he had his own place I got to make sure that I, 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 I let everybody know that he, yeah. he always had his own apartment and we had our place always living separately. We didn't, you know, so, yeah. um, we let him be a, a, a grown up ish. Yeah. <laughs> well, that goes to my next question. Once our kids are at the pro level, there's so much involved in preparing them for their lives as working individuals. So what was the process like for you and your husband to get Jaron Jr. molded into the NBA world? And what steps did you take as mom to make it possible for him to be able to navigate it all? Mm. You know, um, though he was young when um, my husband was playing and, and, and retiring, um, we've, we've always talked about this life and we've, we've got lots of friends who are, who are been part of professional basketball right. as coaches or as players or both. Um, so I think he's known a lot, you know, he, he understood what was expected. He understood the kind of um, decision-making trustworthy folks that we would put like mom and dad, grandmama, junior, we are the inner core. Yeah. right? We are that sacred core. We're the, that, that's, that's who we can rely on trust with, you know, without question. There would be additional people who would be part of the inner circle, not the, not the core, yep. but a part of that inner circle who would be closer to us. And that's, of course, the representation team out of CAA that, again, Jay Jr. selected. We handled that almost like we handled recruiting, you know, um, for him to be able to identify who could represent him. And so um, just rec- just needing him to, to fall back on the way he was raised. Yeah. That mom and dad, um, my mom, you know, would be, it would have been seniors' parents where they still living, you know, were part of that, that, that inner group, that, that inner core that he could always trust and go to for guidance and decision-making. Not that we would make the decision, but we give right. him the information so that he could do it. Yeah. And then when it got to decisions that were perhaps outside the expertise of that inner core, you know, being able to identify those folks that we could rely on and that we could trust to give us even more information so that the inner core can then synthesize it and, and, and you know, position Jay Jr. well. So we've always done that. Um, I think he was always used to that. It was the expectation with us coming down that that we would still be available to him in that way. 
um, and identify additional folks who could play that role as, as experts in, in, you know, in their field. So that's what we did. Not too much different from the way he was raised. Um, right. And what was the other part of your question, Wendy? I'm sorry. No, that's fine. That was it? That was it? I was asking, how did you mold him um, into these steps and how did you help him navigate it all? So yeah, you, you answered. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and it's true. And there's so many different elements. It's, it's funny because our kids, they, you know, they leave us, they go to college, you know what I mean? They're in their dorms. And then next thing you know, they're in their own place. And in talking to a lot of mothers, we, we, we would talk about our kids don't even realize that there's bills to be paid when you're living in your own apartment, there's rent to be paid, there's lights to be paid. You know what I mean? And we talked to our kids and we're like, okay, now you have to do this on your own. And they look at us like, do what? And I'm looking at, well, how do you think the lights are on? He's like, I don't know. I just go to the switch and I flick it on. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but <laughs> how do you, how do you think it gets paid for? They oh. stare at us. <laughs> oh, this is even better. This is even better. When, when the, when he bought the house, when he bought his house, and there were a couple lights that were out. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, mom, the, the lights are out. And I said, yeah. And he just looked at me and I said, you got to change the bulbs. And he said, <laughs> who's got to do that? I got to do that. And I said, yeah, how do you think that gets done? He was like, isn't there a service for that? Like a concierge? I said, oh my God, a concierge yep. for light bulbs? No, there yep. isn't. You mm-hmm. have to do it. Yep. Um, so Yeah. <laughs> truly a light bulb moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've had a few, I've had a few and I laugh all the time. I'm like, Oh, I failed as a mother. And I just laugh because I'm like, how do you think that that happens? And it's true. When you think about it, we never had that opportunity or we never think of it as parents, you know what I mean? We're raising our kids. Okay. Now there's going to be a light bulb blown out at one point in your life. So what you're going to have to do is we don't think of these things until our kids are actually mortified. Like, Oh my God, I'm in the dark. What do I do? You're like, just, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of funny, but you know, mm-hmm. there, there were things that he wanted, you know, like buying the house and yes. buying a car and, and things like that. And, um, we just use those as the opportunities to have those kinds of conversations. Right. right? So, yes. um, everybody has it, folks sure. have it at different times. Um, and, uh, I don't know, like I said, I'm just so glad that we're here in Memphis yes. to, to watch him continue to grow, um, to continue to flourish and, um, to make us proud. And, and I, I'm, i hope that he is proud of himself because oh. he certainly makes us proud. Of course. And there's so many teaching moments that you're going to continue to have with him as Absolutely. he goes along his way. Just like me, I still have teaching moments that I go through with my parents every day. Right. So it just never ends. It's just a beautiful circle of life. Right. So you were at that point very familiar of watching your husband play in the NBA through his career, but what was it like to see your son suit up and debut in the same league years later? Yeah. Um, I don't even, I, I, there's no words for that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think I still experience it like the first day and like that first night, that first game, um, the first time he's called in the starting lineup, you know, um, uh, disbelief, disbelief that, that this is where we are. 
Um, and not because he hasn't worked hard and earned it. It's just, you know, in, in the NBA, there are 450 jobs and the W there are even fewer, but yep. in, in the NBA, there are 450 jobs. And, and so you, you've got to be at the top of your game always. And, um, you know, to see that he worked so hard for it, um, to know what it takes having seen my husband, as I said, undrafted journeyman, um, what, what was required of him and to know that, you know, how many years later, it's even more intense. Um, the pressure is probably even greater. Uh, that's a lot, that's a lot to take in. Um, and, you know, I want to, I want to always be sure to have space and room for the conversations that I believe are necessary to keep him grounded and to keep him understanding that this is a journey yeah. and, um, one game, one week of games, one season doesn't make or break you. It's, it's you know, the compilation of a whole bunch of moments. It's the whole body of work. Um, yeah, yeah. That, those are the kinds of things that go through my head and that go through our heads as moms yeah. constantly. I know I'm not alone in this. Um, Absolutely not. Yeah. You know, my son right now, um, he just came off of an injury. Uh, well, two this year, he had his um, an injured knee, uh, which was thought to have been a, a bone bruise, which later on became something a little bit more serious. And then a broken nose he just suffered and is still healing from now. Right. So, you know what I mean? I could, as moms, we just want to remind them that understand this is your career and things are going to get better and you still have time. And because sometimes for the players, it's just instantaneous. They're like, oh my God, I broke something or something is not working and, and, and my career is done. I'm like, it's not necessarily so. This, right. Just take your time and heal. And right. you're great at what you do. And like you said, there's few jobs, what, 450 in the NBA? Was it 144 in the WNBA? Right. So it's like you stood out amongst all the other NCAA players. You were one of those that made a difference in your talent. So you're okay and you're going to be okay. And no matter how old they are, these are conversations that I feel like us as moms, we just have to continuously remind them. And and our kids, they understand the process. But right. I'm sure, you know what I mean, in the back of their minds, there's that fear or that thought process at least. Maybe not, maybe Jaren is like, okay, I, I'm, I'm injured, but I'm great. You know what I mean? Where other players are like, I'm injured and oh my God. So I think for us, you know what I mean? That support is just never, never ending for us. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, I, I think um, no matter where you are in your career as a player, because I, I see this in the W2, mm-hmm. um, it, it is a humbling moment. It's, yeah. it's a moment in which you need to pause and just reflect and just recognize, all right, my body needs to heal and I'm going to do everything I can, you know, to wrap, you know, some good, healthy right. living around my body and around my mind and just take it one step at a time, one day at a time. Oh, for sure. So with your husband being a previous player and a coach, do you feel that others put pressure 
on Jaron Jr. to be like this great player every single time he gets on the court? Um, probably, probably. But as long as it doesn't come from my husband, I don't care. Yeah. You know, like it, there, I mean, that's just life, right? Yep. There are going to be those that have expectations of us or uh, what have you. Um, but like I said, my husband was his first teacher, his first coach in, in right. basketball and um, has never, ever put pressure on Jay Jr. Never, yeah, never. Like, like I mean, said. so much so that I was like, well, maybe you should tell him this. Is that? And he's like, nope, he's fine. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? He understands the process. He's been through it. So he's like, listen, yeah. he is going to be just fine. And for us, sometimes we don't see that. We're like, well, hold on, but wait. And it's like, no, no, just hold on. Yeah. And yet, yeah. look at him now. He was fourth, chosen fourth. So Jared knew where he fit. He knew what he was doing. Like you said, God doesn't make mistakes. So all this happens for a reason. So sometimes we just have to let it go and just let it be because it's going to turn out the way it should. Yep. Yeah. And, and look at, look at where we are. I mean, he's playing amazing, having an incredible season and the Grizzlies are, I mean, they're a playoff team. Yeah. Yeah. So what is it like for you to watch highlights and see your son as one of the top players on the court? Um, what do you mean? What is it like for me to watch highlights over and over and over again? Because yeah. that's what I do. <laughs> yeah. True story. That's what I do. Let me just go ahead and admit it. Um, I can watch a game probably two or three times. I'll watch, you know, if, if they've been on the road and the, the game is on and I've recorded the, the game, or if it just comes back, if, it, if they replay it, I will probably be up watching it again because I hardly sleep anyway. So, yeah. Um, what's it like? It's just joy. Just joy. Yeah. I, and, you know, I always look to, say, look to see what his expressions were and, <laughs> you know, um, and, and whether he's on the court or not. Jay Jr., just, he just loves the game and he loves his teammates. Mm-hmm. And um, I love to see him you know, doing well, performing well himself. And I, and I love to see him cheering on his teammates. So I was watching a couple of interviews today with him and his teammates. And I just love it because I see, I see the joy. I see his love for, like you said, for his teammates. I see how they gel and all that makes a difference when you're on the court together. Yes, it does. You know what I mean? So to me, I'm like, good for them. Like, good for the Grizzlies. They have this camaraderie together as, you know what I mean, as as teammates, because that makes a difference. You know what I mean? When you're teammates, you got to play together. You know what I mean? You want that guard. You know, I, I got to get that ball passed to me if I want to play. I I don't know. It's it. All I'm saying is, is that when they when they gel better together then they play together then everything is happier together and it just makes their nba experience more pleasant and i just love to see that so when i was watching him today i was like oh just amazing how he was smiling he was laughing he's joking around and i'm thinking what a pleasantry that he has within him and that's the aura that i got from him um and i just to me that 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 was inspiring to me looking at your son and just how he is as a professional basketball player yeah 
Yeah. And he's, he's got a confidence in him too. Sometimes mm -hmm. I watch the interviews over and over again, cause I'm, I'm, I continue to be amazed at the poise um, that mm -hmm. he shows and, yeah. and, and, and all of our young men. I'm, I mean, I'm not just talking about Jay Jr., but I, I see it across the Grizzlies. I see it on other teams. I'm, I'm very, very happy to see these young men, um, how they carry themselves, how they talk about themselves, their game, their performance, whether they had a good night or a bad night, um, whatever bad night means. And, um, and just, just seeing how it's all coming together for them. Um, I'm really, really happy for them. This is an intense, this is an intense industry. The, mm -hmm. the spotlight is quite big and sometimes hot. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm pulling for all of them. I really am. I'm pulling for the Grizzlies and my kid, you know, first. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just happy to see um, young men, our men, just, just doing well. Oh, for I sure. Am. For sure. So Jaron Jr. is very well spoken and he has a deep knowledge of the game. So when you watch his interviews as mom, what goes through your mind as you're sitting there listening to your son take on the questions from the sports journalist, the analyst, and the show host, or whoever's asking him these questions? Like what goes through your mind? Yeah, um, I think about particularly if it's if it's a question that I think is poorly worded or 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 one that was like, God, didn't they just ask that already? You know, but but just again to hear how he handles it, you know. Um, and, and to see sometimes him having fun, you know, with the, with the reporters. And I'm thinking <laughs> you all don't even know what my son is thinking <laughs> right now, but um, I'm just, it, it's just a good feeling, Wendy, again, just to see um, how he carries himself, how he handles it, um, that he's having fun with the media um, because I hear from them too, right? Like, God, you know, I had a good interview with your son. Like I learned yeah. something. They learned something about the game. They learned something about his preparation or maybe a teammate's preparation or, yep. um, or just how coach is talking about the game. But to hear it from a player, you know, to get that player perspective, um, because he does, he does share that. He doesn't, he's not, you know, overly prepared or scripted or giving out the canned responses. I mean, he is, looking to peel back the curtain a little bit and give folks, um, you know, some insight into who the Memphis Grizzlies are all about. And yeah. it's so cool. I think he's just a natural spokesperson for this team, a natural leader. Um, so when I watch him again, nothing but pride and joy. And I used to say, well, next time say this. And then, but now I'm like, you know what? He is truly his own person and his own man. And I love the way he's handling it. Yeah. I love how he's doing it. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good fit for this team. It's a good fit for this team. And, um, I don't know, let's, let's see what happens. <laughs> let's see what happens next. Yes. So you are experiencing the true ins and outs of basketball. So you know too well what players go through daily, good and bad. Mm -hmm. Can you speak on the importance of supporting our kids to help them deal with the stress that they go through, whether it be physical, mental, or anything else? Yeah. Um, you know, I recognize that not every parent could do what we did, right? Mm -hmm. And and move to, to Memphis. Um, 
And so the opportunities that you can get your get your child, get your young man, your young woman, if she's playing in the W on the phone and, you know, have some conversation with them. You may not always have that FaceTime, but the opportunities that you can have, because it's more, the conversation is, is kind of a lost art, right? Like we do so much via email and so much too much via text. I think things get lost in the translation and it's that conversation. It's that voice that your, your, your young player needs to hear your voice, um, particularly as parent, as, as mom. Um, so don't lose sight of that, the value in that. It, and it may, it may only be for a few minutes, but I truly believe that you can make an impact that you have said something lasting. If only you said, I love you, um, that that will carry them perhaps through that day um, through a tough time or a tough game that they may experience later in the week. So that is important. Um, I think also for us to, to share and to encourage our young people to explore counseling or what mental health and mental wellness, what that looks like, what that right fit. Is it, you know, is it a therapist? Is it a counselor? Is it an advisor? Is it a life coach? Like, what is it? Is it meditation? Is it all or some combination of that that they can do? It's so important for us to encourage that. I say all the time, I say it to my, my son. I say it to the players that therapy is the greatest gift you can give yourself. And I share with them, I have given myself that gift. Um, and so, and if anybody wants to talk with me more about it, you know, I'll stay after with a team meeting and, and have the conversation and identify resources. So um, I, I think that is so important for us to say to, to, um, to our young people, let them know, take the, you know, the mystique off and, and, and any negative connotations around it, like take all of that away and really say it in terms of, it's the greatest gift you can give yourself, um, I, however you want to engage. I a million percent agree. And therapy to me is like healing of the soul. Heal, it's such a good, good thing. You know, because yeah. like you're saying, you have to get rid of that negativity. Yeah. You have to just get it out of your system. I mean, everybody goes through it. We all go through it, right? And just the, the stress that are put on our athletes every single day, whether it be social media, whether it be the coaches, whether it be the players, whether it just be themselves sometimes where they feel, oh my gosh, I'm not doing the best I can or whatever they go through in their brains. Yep. You know, I mean, mental yep. stability is so, so, so important. And sometimes, sometimes our kids feel embarrassed to reach out for help, or sometimes they feel like, you know what, people are going to laugh at me. They don't understand, not realizing that it's human. It's okay. Yep. Yep. So thank you for mentioning that. It's the greatest gift. And the, and the other thing I'd say is, you know, let's, let's go back to encouraging good, healthy food, you know, eating habits and, and food choices, because that all plays into it from head to toe. Right. Um, yeah. So we've, we've got to do that. Self-care is our, our words that I use often um, and just encourage other people to, to use and embrace and to share um, self-care, therapy, yes. eating well. Yeah. You know, you're absolutely, my son and I just had this conversation uh, just um, past couple of weeks. Um, I went to Toronto to help him 
after he broke his nose. And at this point, I'm like, okay, he still needs to eat well. He still needs to maintain his body. He still needs to do all these wonderful things that he was doing prior. Um, but he ended up changing chefs. What a difference. What a difference because he's a nutritionist. So he understands the athletes. And my yep. son said to me one morning, he's like, it's, it's like having a restaurant in my kitchen. He says, this is amazing. And he, he was so blessed because he was like, you know what? This is what I needed for my body. Yes, he was eating well before, but there was something about the food that was being delivered now that just made a world of difference for him. Yeah. So yeah. you're absolutely right when you're saying there's, you know, I mean, our, their bodies are their temples and they have to take care of their bodies and what they put in it makes a huge difference. So he just reminded me of what I was saying the past couple of weeks. We had the experience of choosing someone else that was able to cook. And I laugh because now I am back home and I text, I text him this morning. I'm like, I have to cook for myself. This is wrong. I'm like, <laughs> just send me some of your good food. But yeah. So moving forward, you, because <laughs> I can talk about food all day. You are an executive director with the WNBPA. You get to play a big role in the lives of the many wonderful women who play in the WNBA. In your opinion, are there any similarities that you see between the players of both the NBA and WNBA? Oh, sure. Sure. There's, there's, um, uh, they love, I mean, let's start with the obvious. They love basketball. They are committed to training and, um, you know, getting their bodies fit and prepared um, they are looking to be mentally prepared. I mean, they are the top, they're at the top of the game they're different leagues for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, basketball is basketball, right. And, mm -hmm. and to be a, a member of the 144, I'd say all the time, like no shade against the guys or, you know, our brothers in baseball or, or in football, but to get a job, you know, to be one of 144, that's, that's, a, that's big time. Um, but you know, it pressure is pressure wherever, wherever you are. And I think they probably grapple with it in the, in the same ways. I, I, the women at the W have, have been talking more and have a greater emphasis, particularly last year into this year on, on mental health and wellness. It's one of their initiatives that they're working on. And, um, and, and so I, you know, I, I see that they are a lot more open yeah. to those conversations. They are a lot more open to um, somebody sharing resources with them than perhaps the guys are. I think the guys are still on their, on their journey and, and working there. Um, just speaking kind of generally, yep. knowing that there are lots of guys who, who have embraced mental health and, and are ambassadors um, in that role. But um, I do see the women just generally, you know, um, more accepting and, and more willing to, to have those kinds of conversations. Um, you know, it, it's similar ways in which we could promote our game and, and, and market the game. But I also see that there are some unique differences and opportunities because we are, you know, the women of the W. Um, yeah. and, and I think that there are, you know, business opportunities that kind of take us um, in a different direction than, than the guys. I mean, I, I think, you know, we can go down that road where we're all looking to, you know, have our game, you know, marketed and licensed, you know, with, with trading cards and bobbleheads and, and all of that. But then there's this, this opportunity where I think we can go, um, you know, and take a, 
take a different turn, take a different journey, because as women, there's, there's opportunities for us to explore that are just unique to who we are yeah. um, and what we bring to the table. So I do have a unique opportunity to, to see the game um, and the business of the game, the business behind the game from lots of vantage points as wife as a of a retired player, former you know, NBA champion and my husband and, and um, the mom of a, of a current NBA player. And then I get to lead serve, um, heavy emphasis on serve, the women of the W and, and see what they're all about. And, and that third hat that I get to wear is um, like the other two, it's quite a privilege, quite a privilege. And your most awesome role of all of them is mom. So, <laughs> well, thank you. Yes. Let's talk about the Jackson Three, the amazing family, like I mentioned earlier, that consists of an NBA player, a coach, and an executive director. Between the three leagues, you are involved in basketball all year long. So when do you ever find time to spend as a family? And how do you manage that healthy balance? I mean, is there such thing as an off season for you? There's no such thing as an off season. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I think we're the only family in basketball that was in all three bubbles yep. during that 2020 season, right? And um, I, I'm fortunate that um, my guys love basketball and they not, they not only want to go to W games, they want to be courtside W games. And um, sometimes I'm a little embarrassed to go with my husband because he like knows all the players. I know all the players, of course, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. but he knows all the players. He, he remembers where they went to college. Uh, and, like, it's just crazy. So um, you know, Christmas was fun. Like we were on the road with Jay Jr. So it's still basketball. It's still this season, right. but there's a little bit of downtime. Um, my mother was with us and, and we like Netflix, like everybody else. And we like Bananagrams and we like the card game presidents. And, you know, we, we, we do our fair share of competing, you know, with, uh, <laughs> with family games and things like that. So that's what it looks like. Um, years ago when my dad was, was still living and, and even a few years after my dad had passed, we would vacation with my mom, um, my mom and dad, and then my mom in St. Martin. Um, mm. So that's a place that she likes to get away to. Um, so there's kind of a sweet spot in the year where none of us is doing anything really, like, or has really, you know, any um, strong basketball commitments that we kind of get away, but it's not long. I will, I will admit it's not long at all. <laughs> and we're back in the gym. Well, I guess you could just bless every second that you have away from, from basketball. It's so funny because I was thinking to myself, I can't imagine them talking about anything but basketball. It's just, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, that's all we, that's all we talk about. And yeah. you know what, when we were going through negotiations, when I was going through negotiations for our new CBA, I'm so thankful that my husband could listen to all of that and yeah. help me process it and yeah. um, help me think about it differently that he was so like, he couldn't wait. Like I'd get off a call. He'd say, okay, what's happening now? Like, tell me now, what's, what are we doing? Um, so uh, I don't know what we would do if we, <laughs> if we didn't have basketball, I, you know? So again, it's, 
it's a blessing that they love it so much. And, and we just recognize that we build family time around wherever we are and we make it work. I love it. I love it. You know, congratulations to your family's success and everything that you guys do. And before concluding and getting into the fun facts, tell us quickly what is going on in your world and what should we expect from the WNBA in 2022? Well, um, you should expect a um, you should expect to see a group of players that are laser focused on a social justice initiative that is all about voting and voting rights. They understand yes. the importance of this year in midterm elections. I say all the time that it was they who gave the country a civics lesson in, in, in a true lesson in democracy and, and what voting and election and what registering and what completing the census was all about, you know, in that last election year. And, um, you know, we first started our, our voting rights initiative in a midterm election, you know, several years ago with Rock the Vote. So we're reigniting that partnership with Rock the Vote and um, and I'm excited. For, I'm excited. I'm also excited for the relationship that we have with Pepsi Stronger that has us talking and giving voice yes. to um, mental health and wellness and, and women's health, um, particularly. So we'll be kicking off um, some really, really um, meaningful community initiatives um, because that's what the women of the W are all about. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I agree a million percent. I love the W. I really love it. And I love the initiatives that the women do. So, and you're a big part of that. So to me, it's congratulations to you because you're bringing out things that are so important. A lot of things that people don't realize, a lot of people that, a lot of things that people don't understand. And I find the women's platform is just amazing. It's just, to me, it's changing a lot that what's going on in the world. So thank you for that. And when I look at Rock the Vote, I had to laugh when I was looking at uh, Jaron Jr.'s jacket, the inside of his right. jacket, yes, on draft night. So to me, I was like, oh, that's so amazing that he too was so young, but just the fact that he saw the importance of that initiative enough that he was like, I'm going to wear this too. So, and that comes from, that's, that's come from being grounded from awesome parents. So to me, it's like, congratulations once again, because that's, that's fantastic to me. I was like, wow, look at this, look at this, this, look at this young man <laughs> and look at what he wants to stand for. And he understands everything that's going around him. So thank you, Wendy. My last question before we get to the fun facts, what is it like being the mother of Jaron Jackson Jr.? Um, I don't think it's any different from any, anything else, any other mother has to deal with, you know, like you still got to make sure he's up on time and remind him to set an alarm. And, uh, I don't know, make sure he's eating well and, um, ask him every now and then, is there a girlfriend? Is there somebody I'm going to meet? You know, I'm not doing anything differently than any other mom. I love that. I love that. All right, so let's get into the fun facts. Okay. What is that go-to meal that you make that Jaren must have? Oh, that's easy. That's soft tacos. So that's ground turkey um, with pico de gallo, uh, guacamole spread on the tortilla, and a little bit of um, shredded cheese 
And yeah, that's his go-to. He will eat that every single day of the week. It's crazy. Very interesting. And thank you for the recipe. So (laughs) (laughs) usually I just get fried chicken. That's it. You no, you, you went in. Thank you. So (laughs) I'm sitting here. I can write this down. Thank God this is recorded. Other than a basketball, what is something as a child he just did not want to be without? Ah, that he didn't want to be without. Um, mm, that's a good one. What did he not want to be without? Uh, my mother's mac and cheese? No, 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 <laughs> that's not good. That's not good. Um, the opportunity to play with, with little ones. He's an only child. So yeah. the opportunity to have somebody come over and hang out at his house. So um, we tried wherever we were living, but particularly in Maryland to be, you know, what we all know to be the Kool-Aid house and yeah. to have the house where everybody just wanted to come and congregate. So that's Jay Jr. He wants to have his friends around him. I love your answer. Whenever I ask that question, I get a million beautiful answers, but it's, but it's usually an item. I love the fact that you just gave something completely different because it's absolutely true. There's more than just saying, oh, he loved his teddy bear or he loved his favorite pen or his dinky car. You went over above and you're like, no, hold on. It's something completely different. It's people. It's humans. It's, you know, yeah. He, he, he is about the people. Yeah. He is, he is about his friends. That's why I had to bring the middle schoolers. Those were his best buddies. They're still like his best buddies till oh, today. Beautiful. I had to bring them to draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What else? What else you got for me? <laughs> Do you have a nickname for him? And if so, what was it? Oh, there were many. So Doodlebug. Oh. Yeah. String Bean. <laughs> Sweet Pea. And my mother called him Precious Prince. Still does. The Precious oh. Prince. Oh, that's so cute. I <laughs> love that. He's so not going to like that I gave all these. <laughs> He's like, Ma, really? (laughs) So now I'm going to ask you a couple of advice questions. What advice would you give to another courtside mom about how to handle a coaching decision that she does not like? Wow. Um, Well, (laughs) yeah. So we've experienced a lot of these. Oh, yeah. And so I'm, I'm going to lean with, with the way my husband has always handled it. And it's to talk with Jaron Jr. about what that coach's decision was, what information, what conversation did Jay Jr. have with the coach around it? Mm-hmm. If there was none, encourage him to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then based on what, you know, where you go from there, what I loved was, was how Jaron, my husband would tell junior to navigate that. Okay. So if that's what coach said he wants, well, then this is what you're going to do. Let me show you how to do that. Um, so I guess, I guess my answer to her is, is to encourage her son or young woman, if we're talking about the W, but to encourage the player to have a conversation with the coach to understand because mm-hmm. you, sure. you bring a level of respect to yourself and to that coach, right? When you, when you look to have that business conversation, cause that's where we are now. Yeah. We're in the professional world. So this is business. It's not any different 
from any other working situation, right? Yeah. Your employer, your supervisor makes a decision that affects how you work, whether or not you got a promotion or, or what have you. So go have a conversation. Don't wait until evaluation time. Don't wait until the end of the season. Right. Go and have a conversation that's respectful and said, let me understand the way you're thinking about this. Let me, if I have the opportunity to provide you some feedback, let, let me do that too. But at least look to be heard and, and look to be engaged because it's the player that shows that she or he cares enough that that's the player that sticks in that coach's mind, For right? Sure. Yeah. For sure. So what advice now would you give to a player about how to deal with a tough teammate? <laughs> How to deal with a tough teammate? Uh, well, we we're all about the Kool Aid House, so I'd say invite them over. <laughs> invite them over, um, and look to see if uh, you could rub off, and you know, perhaps uh, make that whatever the whatever makes the teammate tough or the situation tough between you and the teammate. Let's see if it's something that you can work through. But yeah. Your colleagues, your working professionals. So invite them over. Yep. Have some, uh, have some, have some time together. Look to do some bonding, some additional conversation, just hanging out, get to know you time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I that, think that's what it's all about. That's important. So if my son ever comes to me and says that, you know, I'm man. This player is just driving me nuts. So I'm going to be like, okay, I'm just going to email Terry and get the address to the Kool-Aid house. I'm going to tell my son. <laughs> and my last question is, if you could only give one piece of amazing advice to another courtside mom, what would that advice be? Um, to be patient to be patient, be patient with yourself, be patient with your young player, um, encourage them to see this as a journey and to enjoy the journey um, for you and for them. I think we're in a rush. I think we're in a world in which we're in a rush for everything to happen, to have hits and followers and, and, and all of this. And, um, we lose sight of the journey and the learning process that comes from it and the enjoyment that should come from that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So be, so be patient, be patient and recognize that. Thank you for saying that. That is so true. Because like you said, we just want everything to happen now. Right. And, that's and how- we want to, and as moms, we want to be right. And we want to be perfect. And we want everything to just line up and be in order. And we don't want them to be hurt or get hurt. And, you know, you know, take, take, take some time and be patient and you're going to make mistakes and they're going to make mistakes. And it's how you respond in the end along this way yeah yeah like I always say don't lose sight of your journey don't lose sight of where you are because one day you're just going to sit there and everything's just going to pass by you and you're not even going to realize it and then it's all going to come to an end and you're going to be like well what happened mm-hmm. you know what I mean you realize the past 15 years all these wonderful things were there 
Yeah. But because we were too busy focused, you know what I mean? On, okay, well, what's going to happen? What are we going to do? And all these things that we needed to happen right away probably already did happen and we just lost complete sight of it. So thank you for saying that because you are absolutely correct. So just focus, everybody who's ever listening, please focus, focus, focus and be patient because at the end of the day, the process is only going to go as fast as it should irregardless of what we do or what we think. If it's not meant to happen today, doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It can happen tomorrow, but just allow tomorrow to come when tomorrow was supposed to come. Yep. You are fantastic, Terry. It's like, oh, like I said earlier, your family is very inspiring to me. And just reading and watching videos and doing research and every all these wonderful things that I did to learn about the Jackson family to me was just I, I don't even know what word to put to describe um my joy of preparing to meet you finally so thank you so much for sharing on courtside moms um it's my platform that is all about us. It's all about what we did to raise our professional athletes, to raise our children, and to let people see the human side of our kids that are not only athletes, they're people, and they're amazing people. And you just opened up a different view that some people may have not known about uh, Jaron Jr. and yourself and your husband. So thank you very much for coming on Courtside Moms and sharing all that with us. Wendy, thank you for, for sharing and making space for me and, um, and being so patient <laughs> with me to, to connect with you. I appreciate it. Um, and, and maybe one day, um, in addition to the podcast that you do, maybe one day you'll convene us all in, in a conference um, yes. in person, please. But um, maybe I, I see you as the connector who can do that. Thank so thank you. you. Do it naturally. Whoa, whoa.